0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Well, happy Father's Day weekend. Hey, can we do this real quick in all of our locations? Can we just say a happy Father's Day and honor all of our fathers and dads in the house? Let's show some love right now. Come on, on, all of our campuses. Happy Father's Day. We love you all so much. I figured on this Father's Day weekend, it'd be fitting for us to talk about Toy Story because who else but dads probably have their own versions of Toy Stories. Whether your Toy Story is picking up, pulling out, cleaning up a whole bunch of toys, or maybe you are the biggest toy in your children's play box and you've got pulled out hair, bruised backs, or maybe you've had the misfortune of stepping on those God-forsaken toy Legos that are worse than stepping on hot coals, and that's your Toy Story. But I know for me, As a dad of a toddler, it's like I am continuously cleaning up after a party I was never invited to attend. That's my toy story. But, but Toy Story released in 1995, it was actually Pixar's very first full length feature, and it was the first of its kind because it's the first fully computer generated animation ever. And people were wondering, will this work? And it worked so well all over the box office that it garnered three Academy Award nominations and it grossed over $373 million worldwide. And later on, it would, it would spawn two other sequels Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, that were actually much better than the. The first Toy Story, and this coming Friday, Toy Story 4 is set to come out. Let's go, Toy Story fans out there. It's about to come out, and it's crazy for me to think that a story that I watched as a child unfold in 1995, I'm able to share in that same storyline 24 years later. That is 24 years. It's a long time, and it's not too shabby for a toy about some talking toys, or a movie about some talking toys, right? But Toy Story it centers around this 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 toy named Woody. He's an old pull-string cowboy. It belonged to a little boy named Andy. Just in case you guys are wondering what my shirt actually says, it says, Andy, but any time that Andy would leave his room or go to sleep, Woody and the rest of the toys would all come alive, but something would set Woody apart from all the rest of the other toys. You see, Woody is Andy's favorite toy. Anytime Andy would go on a trip, Woody would come and follow, and anytime Andy would go to bed, Woody would be by his side, and in the bottom of Woody's cowboy boots is inscribed in permanent marker, the word Andy, and that's gonna be important. And one day, it was Andy's birthday, and all the toys are having a little bit of an identity crisis because they're wondering, am I going to get replaced by a newer, cooler, brighter toy? And this year, on Andy's birthday, he gets a really cool state-of-the-art Buzz Lightyear. Any Buzz Lightyear fans I got in the house? Buzz Lightyear fans. Yeah, I got a few and all of our campuses. Got a few. Hey, look, so Buzz Lightyear's super cool because he's got wings. He's got lasers. He's got gadgets. He's even got a cool spaceship, and Woody's got this a little bit of a laser envy thing going on, and he's wondering now, where do I fit in? Where's my place? Where do I belong? Am I still Andy's favorite toy? Luckily, he has an awesome friend in Mr. Potato Head that says, you still have a place in the attic, and maybe you feel a little bit like Woody. Maybe we all can kind of sense that feeling of just wanting to belong, wanting to fit in, wondering if there's a place for you and I and, and so we spend our, our life, we try to achieve this self-worth based on the kind of car we have, based on the, the kind of job we have, the kind of clothes we wear, the things that we do, the things that we don't do. And especially in a day and age where social media is king, we're so consumed, right, with, with filling up our friends list and following other followers. And we're, we're trying to see and catch who's commenting on our likes and who's liking our comments, and I have to wonder if this is just the latest iteration of the human condition that just wants to be accepted. My question for us this weekend is, how's that working for us? How's that working for you? Because in, in, a, in a day and age where image and, and identity is king, there, there is a, a, a sad reality. There's a study that shows this, that the amount of time that you spend on social media actually will result into a lower view of your self-esteem. Why, why is that? We succumb ourselves to the scroll of the newsfeed, and we see everyone else's highlight reels, and then we look back and see our, our real lives, and it doesn't match up to everyone else's highlight reels. So we're flooded with insecurity and inadequacies, and we're flooded with the feeling like we just cannot measure up so I'd rather just mask myself. Let me just put a mask on and put on a false identity. Let me just put on a false life. And we've, we've masked ourselves with people around us too because God forbid they see us without it. God forbid that they actually know what happened in the past and we've masked ourselves so well that we forgot who the man and the woman behind that mask, what do they actually look like without it? And so we'll mask ourselves with work, let me just work more hours. We'll mask ourselves with awards, with accolades, with attitudes and addictions, and sometimes we'll mask ourselves with a, a personality like, hey, I'm living my best life, hashtag blessed. Hey, you know what, I, I got everything under control, everything is all good, and sometimes we'll mask it with a, with a victim's mentality where we blame those that burned us and we blame our childhood or maybe things that we had no control over, why do we do this? Why do we put on the mask? It's because of fear. Fear of being rejected, fear of not being wanted, fear of not being valued, fear of not being loved. See, the people of Ephesus could absolutely relate to the state that you and I, we so often find ourselves in. And the Apostle Paul wrote a a letter to the people of Ephesus, and he knew he was writing to a culture that was dealing with an identity crisis. You see, the people of Ephesus, Ephesus was in the Roman Empire, and because they belonged in the Roman Empire, they didn't put a high premium on the life of young children and of young people. They treated them like old toys, like old ragged dolls. You see, 40% of the children that grew up in Ephesus didn't even make it past their fifth birthday. Kids died young, and for the parents that were raising these kids, they tended not to even name their children until they were at least one week old. They they didn't even put the name on the bottom of their cowboy boots, so to speak. It's because the kids died before they were even born for seven days here on on this planet. And for those that actually survived, if they belonged to a poorer family, poorer class family, if they were a girl, they would be left abandoned, thrown into the wilderness, dragged to fend for their life all by themselves, and sometimes even tossed in a bunch of garbage piles. Similarly for boys, it's the same way, especially if they were born with a disability, these parents would drag them off and abandon them in the wild. And some parents would even drown their kids and. Worst off, they'd throw them away like a bunch of dirty trash. And what happens to these children is even more horrific next because some people would find these kids in the wilderness, and they'd find these girls, and they'd sell them off as, as slaves, as prostitutes, abusing them. And these boys, some people would, would find them, and they'd abuse them, sell them off as slaves. Some of them would train them to fight to the death in gladiator games like they're some kind of wild animals. And so Paul knew that as he was penning out this letter, He knew he was penning out a letter to a people whose lives have made them believe that you are replaceable. If you just bring me a cooler toy, a brighter toy, a newer toy, you are irrelevant. You are unimportant. You are worthless. And what Paul was trying to challenge them was that your identity is not something you achieve. It's something you receive. And so he writes this in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse four, where he says, for he, meaning God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So who are you without your mask? Who are we to become? Again, in a day and age where image and identity is everything, what can we gain from Paul's letter to the people of Ephesus that we need to apply to our lives? If you have something to write with, I want to encourage you to take some notes, in all of our locations, here is the big principle that pops out from the pages of scripture from Paul's letter to the people of Ephesus that we need to apply today, and it's this, that we must live marked. Similarly to the mark that Andy put on Woody's cowboy boots, Mark, Paul was saying, was like, you have been marked by God. You have been chosen by God. And there was an expectation that Paul was trying to allow the people who've been marked by God to understand. And the understanding is this. You have to know who you are and whose you are. And your identity in your life is not something that you can work for or earn, but it's something that God wants to give you. He wants to give you favor. He wants to give you love. He wants to give you value. He wants to give you worth. He wants to give you family. Unfortunately, that life is unattainable for you and I because rather than than living marked, it seems like we'd rather just settle for a mask. You know, if I can just be a space ranger instead of a cowboy, maybe I'd be a little bit more important. If I just had some cool gadgets, maybe some some flashing lasers, and maybe if I had a spaceship, maybe people would actually like me. me. Let me put that in terms maybe that we can all kind of relate to. If I just had that man by my side, maybe I'd fit in with all my friends. Hey, you know what, if I just had a few more zeros in that bank account, maybe the missus would respect me more. Hey, you know what, if I dropped off the kids in that cool red car, maybe I'd be the number one dad too. If I just lived in that neighborhood or lived in that house, maybe they would think I'm important too. Not knowing that this false identity doesn't lead to destiny, it leads to destruction. That this false life and this false kind of living does not lead to abundant living, it leads to more Death and the mass doesn't add any more meaning to our lives. Why is that? Why do we do this? It's what biblical authors call sin. Sin is any action, any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is. And and this sin, it creates in us a separation between us and God and destroys us. It destroys us physically. It destroys us emotionally, mentally. And worse off, it actually destroys us spiritually, separating us from God God and, and all things good forever God saw us he saw us in an, an orphan off into the wilderness our way led us to the wilderness he saw us in the garbage pile of guilt shame and sin and he loved us so much and he marked us and he chose us so he sent his son Jesus to retrieve us back to himself and Jesus came with the sole mission to die in order to give us life And so our mask removed from us and heaped on the life of Jesus, our shame, our insecurities, our penalty, our death sentence heaped upon his life. And in his death, he defeated death once and for all so that those that would believe in him by faith would be forgiven. Forgiveness is good, it's just not enough. It takes off the mask, it doesn't change the way we live, and so Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin, death, and hell so that those that would believe in him by faith would not just be forgiven, but they would have a brand new identity, a brand new kind of life, a mark found through the power of his resurrection. You may be asking, well, how does this happen? Well, God's spirit makes his home into our spirit. The mask moves out. The mark moves in. The mark reminds us that we have been embraced by God, welcomed by God, favored by God, and chosen by God, And so the mask that leads to life, that actually leads to death, moves out. The, the, the mask that, that settles for a false identity that leads to destruction, it moves out. And the mark that changes how we live because we're now chosen, we're now set free, it now leads us to a path where we glorify God with our life. And so how do we live marked? I actually wanna give you guys two complimentary thoughts this week. And the first is this, to live marked We have to live Mark through adoption, live Mark through adoption. So Ephesians chapter one, verse four through six, this is what it reads. It says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves i want to break that down for you because there's a there's a few things that i want us to understand in this whole concept as we look at how do i live marked through adoption how, how do i how do i live this way maybe you're here with us this weekend and you can absolutely relate to this whole concept of adoption maybe you yourself you got adopted into a family Or maybe yourself, you adopted someone into your family. But when all of us, most of us here, when we were born, we were born into a family. We were born with a mother, maybe with a brother, maybe with a sister, with a father, but not an orphan, not someone who was left abandoned, not someone who was left unwanted and and removed from their parental care because of insufficient care. But what happens is with this orphan, when this orphan gets adopted, they receive something. They, They receive a mother, they receive a father, they receive a family. Similarly, that's what takes place when we get adopted into God's family. Something that we can not achieve on our own, but rather something that we must Receive. It's, it's not, no amount of levels of layers of mass that we can put on our lives that can make us a little bit more adoptable in the sight of God. Hey, you know what? What if I just talked a little bit more like this person? Maybe God would want to adopt me in His family. What, what if I dressed a little bit more like this person? Maybe, maybe I might be a little bit more adoptable in God's sight. What if I was a little bit nicer? to that driver in front of me. Maybe God would want to adopt me here. There is nothing that we can possibly do that can make God want to adopt us. And so the very first thing we understand about this concept of adoption is from God. What Paul was saying was in love he predestined us, meaning that you were part of his plan to be a part of his family this entire time. It wasn't that in frustration, he predestined us for adoption where all of a sudden he got thrown off guard because we would orphan our way into the wilderness and we would find ourselves on a trash pile and a garbage pile of of guilt and shame in our lives. And all of a sudden he felt pity on us. And so he, he brought us into his family. No, he said, in love, I've planned for you to be a part of my family. You may be wondering, well, when did he make that decision? Was it when he saw me walk the, 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 the elderly lady across the street? Was it when he, he saw me being nice to that barista? Did he say, oh, he's making some progress now. Oh, she's doing really good now. Maybe I should adopt them then. No, Paul was saying, before the foundation of the world was even laid, He already had you in mind to mark you. He already had you in mind to choose you to be part of his family. This changes the game and everything because we understand that our adoption is not based on our performance. That should free some of us right now. It's not based on the things we can do for God. It's not based on our performance, but based out of his promise and his plan. And so if it's not based on our worth, if it's not based on the things we can do, it's not based on the awards and the plaques on our wall, then this adoption is not this easily broken thing where all of a sudden God is, is going to adopt us and find out that we've got some frayed pull strings or cowboy boots are a little bit raggedy and the, the mark is, is starting to wear off. And all of a sudden he's going to say, hey, I want to unadopt you now. no, 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 no. Now God says, I planned for you to be a part of my family, and I had you in mind to mark you and to choose you before the foundation of the world. So adoption is from God, and it has to be received, not achieved. Secondly, we understand that adoption is through Jesus. He says that in love, he predestined us to sonship, meaning he wanted us to be his children. He wanted us to be part of his family, but it happens through Jesus. You see, Jesus came in the form of adoption. If you think about it this way, Jesus did not have an earthly father. When he came into this world, he was adopted and raised by an earthly man named Joseph. And what, what, what Jesus is trying to paint the picture of is that fatherhood has nothing to do with biology. Adoption is just as valid as biology, because when Jesus came, under the form of adoption, through him, through faith in him, we can be adopted into God's family. And he's reminding us that it is just as, as, as secure as a regular biological birth. And what Paul is reminding us today is that you and I, we've been adopted, and it changes everything. Because when, when Jesus Christ, when he hung on that cross, God saw our sin. So that through him, when we, you and I, we stand before God, God sees his sons. God sees his daughters. God sees the one he's favored. God sees the one he's loved. God sees the one that's part of his family. This changes how you view yourself. No longer do you have to view yourself as this afterthought of God. Look, we we chose hell. But God marked us for heaven. You and I, we we chose destruction, but God marked us for salvation. We chose to run away from God, but God chose to run after us. It changes the game in everything because we couldn't have done this on our own. God marked us and had in mind to choose you and I. We were not an afterthought to God. We were always part of his plan A, and it changes how we live our lives because how you behave determines who you belong to. I know that there's some things that my kids will do, characteristic traits that they have, their goofiness, they're probably exemplifying my own goofiness. Because they belong to me, they kind of behave a little bit like me, and that's what what Paul was saying. You have been made holy and blameless in his sight. I know because you used to live according to your mask that that you were living in hurt. But now you're living according to your mark and now you're holy. And, and now you're speaking words of healing. I, I know because you've been living according to your mask before you, you've been carrying this burden this entire time, but now because you're living according to your mark, it changes how you walk. Now I'm walking blameless. Now I'm, I'm speaking life rather than death. There was a, a bit of a, a pivotal moment that takes place in the movie Toy Story. So it's, it's almost like Buzz and Woody had a, a, a little bit of a shift in character. So they both get captured by this evil boy named Sid who likes to torture toys. And, and Buzz is, is captured. And while in captivity, he sees a, a commercial about a Buzz Lightyear toy. And all of a sudden, he realized Woody was right. Woody was right. Maybe I'm just... I'm just a dumb toy. Maybe my, my lasers are just a bunch of flashing lights. Maybe my, my spaceship is just nothing but cut out cardboards. I'm just worthless. But guess who changes the game? Guess who saves the day? You're a cool toy. You are his toy. That's what Woody was saying. Our last point is this. To live marked, you have to live marked by sharing your adoption. Live Mark by sharing your adoption. Both Buzz and Woody had gotten so caught up with the lie of their mask that they believed that their own identity was based on their own attractiveness and their own usefulness. But then what they learned in the end was it wasn't about how important they were, it's rather who they were important to. And Woody reminds them That there's a little boy, Andy, who's done everything for you to be chosen, be a part of his toys. You're his toy. And right then and there, Buzz musters up the confidence, and they both defeat Sid, and they both release all the other toys You see, to live marked means that we share and show the adoption that you and I have received. Share the good news. Deliver the good news to every spiritual orphan that the world has left abandoned. And let them know that there is a God who has emptied out the favor of heaven through his son Jesus and had you in mind to mark you as his. Living marked means it it begins to change how we view others. It doesn't matter now how cruel someone's been to you or some, some hurtful people and said some hurtful words about you, living marked means we no longer have to look at them in light of their mask, but rather in light of their mark. They're just children waiting to be adopted by God. It, it changes how we, we view others. And this is what Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. He says this, now that you've been marked, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So if God is our Father and that through Jesus Christ you and I have been made right, you and I have been adopted into God's family, then essentially it is up to us to invite every spiritual orphan to experience the same thing we've experienced been experienced. Paul was saying, because you've, you've been shown compassion, I need you to share that compassion with someone else. Because you've been shown kindness, now it's your turn to share that kindness with someone else because, because God has forgiven you through Jesus, you share that forgiveness with someone else. You remember about the kids that I was speaking about who grew up in the Roman Empire, the ones that got sold off into slavery? Well something changed, something drastically changed. The, the moment the, the Christianity started start growing more and more in the, the Roman Empire, these children started getting adopted. These Christians would, would see these kids in the wilderness on trash heaps, and these Christians would retrieve them. They'd bring them back home. They'd clothe them. They'd, they'd feed them. And they'd treat them as though they were... Like their family. They adopted them into their family. And they, they'd see these parents trying to drown their kids. They say, No, 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 no. They have value, they have worth. Can they come with me? Can they come and be a part of our family? These kids started getting adopted. Why? It's because our theology should inform our activity. Faith without works is dead. So that's why we give, that's why we show compassion. That's why we extend grace. That's why we extend forgiveness. There is a city all around us right now that is drowning in the sea of their insecurities. There are communities, there's neighborhoods, there's neighbors around us right now that are on a garbage pile of guilt and shame and defeat. I wonder what it would look like if the love that we've been shown, we began to share. I wonder what it would look like if the compassion that we've received from being a part of God's family, we started to give away. To those that felt unaccepted and feel unwanted, to remind them that there is a God that absolutely loves you and wants to lavish you with his love for those that feel worthless, to remind him that you have been marked. There was something that happened when when Buzz realized whose he was. He looked down at the bottom of his space boots and he saw the mark, Andy. And he realized it looks just like Woody's mark on the bottom of his cowboy boots. Look, all I know is that those Christians gave those children a future to look forward to. All I know is that those Christians gave those children a second chance at life, and I and I have to believe that perhaps there's there's some families in this place right now who needs a future to look forward to. Maybe there's there's schools and there's neighborhoods who need a future to look forward to. I have to believe that there's marriages that just are in dire need of a second chance of life, and and I have and have to wonder. What if the things that we desire to see, we have not yet seen, because God's waiting for us to share it? What if the things that we need to see right now, you already have, and God's just waiting for you to share it, so everyone else can see it? Maybe you're here today, and you've been living your life with a mask. Can I just tell you, you are more than the material things that you've accumulated. You are more than the lies that you have believed You're a child of God and you are favored by God. And today, if you want to receive that adoption and remove that mask, it takes place through faith in Jesus. And if you've never made that decision to place your faith in Jesus, would you make that your response today? Would you say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm gonna turn away from this mask. And by faith, I wanna receive the mark that I've been chosen by God, and I wanna live according to that mark, and I wanna allow the Spirit of God to change me and transform me so I can share the same adoption I've received. Maybe you're here today, and you've already made that decision to follow Jesus. I'm going ask you, who do you need to share that adoption with right now? All across our campuses, I wanna invite you to stand. I wanna pray for us But right now, as I'm praying afterwards, our team is going to lead us into a song. it literally declares who God says you are, that you were chosen, you're a child of God. And I'm believing that today there's gonna to be some of you. What better weekend to do it than on a Father's Day weekend for you to receive a Heavenly Father, for you to be a part of a new family today. And so I wanna pray all across our campus. I wanna pray for you. And then our team's gonna lead us into the song. We're just gonna declare who God says we are. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. I thank you that you have planned before the beginning Beginning of the world before the creation and the foundation of this planet you had in mind to mark us and so father God right now I, I believe that there's individuals all across our campuses right now that that wants to live marked but God I pray that you would prompt them through the power of your spirit that they would receive you as their Lord and Savior and I pray right now that God that you would mobilize us as a church to be people that would share your adoption with others God I pray that the things that you've given us we so radically share Share with our cities, with our neighborhoods, with our families, and we want to give you, God, the glory and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.